We hope you enjoy your stay. It's good to have you with us, even if it's just for the day. We hope you enjoy your stay. Outside the sun is shining, it seems like heaven ain't far away. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of TGS Presents, a very special college football podcast. Um, this is our second episode of the show. Um, we skipped last week because, honestly, in my mind, nothing had really shifted all that much going into last Monday, um, but uh, everything has shifted at this point. I have Travis home with me from Tailgate Society. Travis, you on? Hello there. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, just uh, hanging out in uh, Omaha, Nebraska with my windows open on this rare fall treat in early August that we never have. Wonderful. Uh, that sounds nice. It was uh, hotter than hell here today. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it's going to be 97 on Saturday, so I'm just going to enjoy this oh. for now. Yeah, just open windows. Nice evening. Just enjoy that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so how you been? So, uh, not bad. Um, honestly, I haven't been doing much other than watching, you know, the doom scroll go by, uh, and working, of course. And but, man, um, stuff's starting to get weird, Travis. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I was I was getting all excited to have sports back this week, and my baseball team had a COVID outbreak. So nice. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, it sounds like it sounds like the Cardinals didn't go to the casino, which was the original rumor. Well, that's but a win. Still, yeah, I mean, still Yadier Molina having COVID doesn't exactly make me feel all good inside either. Yeah, so, but anyway, I'm bummed out how. That's good. I was going to say I'm a little bummed out how MLB has not gone well. Um, as, but as much as that hasn't gone well, and NBA seems to be doing okay, so you know, hey, get on them. Yeah, the, the 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 bubble idea does seem to work pretty well, which is exciting. Yeah. If if anyone ever would try want to try that again, right? It's a little bit more difficult with football. That's a lot more people to keep track of. Yeah. Um, the the I'm I'm not sure exactly how you create a bubble with the amateur model, but. When Bob Bowlesby saying that we can't have football if we don't have students on campus, I was actually kind of thinking the opposite. I, I no, I don't want them on campus. Have them all online. Only only the football <laughs> players can be on campus, and let's just keep them all in their own little protective spaces. And now, I mean, Iowa State's opening up this week or next week. And really? That, yeah. So they they shifted the semester up so that we could have uh, the semester done before Thanksgiving. Gotcha. Not really a we. I've been uh, out of school for eight years now. But. Well, right. Gotcha. Well, 
honestly, what Boise State's doing is still up in the air at this point. Um, we're still in, like, everything's weird here. According to Boise, we're in stage four. According to the, like, school district, like, the school board, we're in, like, red category. Um, the rest of the state is in stage four at this point. Um, so they're, I don't know, it's just very weird, and everyone's acting like it's not a, as big of a problem as it is, except for, like, three or four school boards so far. But on the other hand, there's private schools that are like, uh well, we're not going to require masks because our county doesn't require it. And by the way, here's your COVID-19, um, you know, liability form. And it's just, it's disgusting. <laughs> so I'm hoping that Boise private State schools, man, they, they, they probably have all the legal standing there to do that as well. For sure. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. As long as yeah, you're not in one of the counties that's mandating masks and stuff. I mean, it, 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 it's weird because Iowa's going ahead with high school football, and they they did go through yeah. with baseball and softball. And for the most part, I think 95% of teams finished the season, and I think if you had an outbreak, you were forced to end the season. So the fact that 95% were able to finish their season, that was somewhat of a positive. They didn't have robust yeah. t- testing, so it doesn't really shock. It wouldn't shock me if I find out later that there was a team that had COVID. They kept it quiet, but right. as a result, though, we're 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 getting all this news of kids from Denver, from Minneapolis, from Chicago. They're all of a sudden transferring to Iowa high schools in, in Des Moines suburbs and uh, Quad City suburbs to relocate to play fall high school football because Illinois and Minnesota and Colorado have gone to. Right, spring, spring high whatever. school football. So that has a lot of implications for college football as well because a lot of these kids are going to be playing on Saturdays for the next four right. years. And I think I think the big reason they're potentially relocating to some of these Iowa powerhouse schools is because, well, they were probably hoping on being at a on a college campus next spring, you know, with an as, as uh-huh. an early enrollment for small ball. So. That's that. That's a weird thing that's just come out the last couple of days in this neck of the woods, and it's weird. That's interesting. It sounds like, from what I gathered, the like the Treasure Valley Sports League for the big schools um, has all decided to push back like fall camp and everything until September eighth. Um, so they're going to get a late start because we're just in. Basically, we can't get enough tests. We're just an uncontrolled spread, and nobody really knows what that looks like, and especially when you get into a school, which is definitely like a super spreader situation, right? Um, The initial, like, forays into having, you know, work, weight workouts, that kind of stuff did not go well, so they closed that all down a few weeks ago. Um, So I I don't know. I mean, honestly, the, the Idaho way, according to all this and everyone on school boards and such seems to be just kind of punting um, for a couple of weeks and seeing how it goes. So at least they mm-hmm. gave like parents a day to sign their kids up for school by like, <laughs> that, was, that was good. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm, I'm not totally sure what to make of it. Our governor has been very um, open it up friendly. 
Um, and not for me. So that's, that's, that's Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds. And then that's Nebraska governor, Pete Ricketts. I literally live on the border. So I kind of claim them both as my own. Well, I'd rather claim neither right. of them, but we're not getting political <laughs> here. Um, but yeah, on, on, on the West side of the river, Bill Moose, the athletic director at Nebraska, he's been quoted within the last week that he's planning on a full stadium even. Wow. And Iowa That's State and Iowa are looking more for like 50%. But that amazed me. And I, I don't see how he does that. I don't know what political posturing he's trying to do or if he's been in talks with the governor because they're both in Lincoln, the mm-hmm. University of Nebraska, and then the, the governor. They're just right there. They're, their office is probably eight blocks apart. And I, I don't know if they're in contact or what. And he's saying, just go ahead and do it. I, I don't know. That's scary. I mean, I can get it. If you can guarantee that you have 95% mass, you're probably going to be all right on an outdoor stadium. That's um, how I was feeling, too. I do want a little bit of spacing. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Which one good I mean, thing I, about having a, a stadium like Iowa State has, it's not ginormous, is there's a lot of standing room areas that are wide open. And, the, and they were saying that they would legitimately just have wide open spaces where you could just move there if your seats were too crowded. Uh-huh. Nebraska, though, that is the most cramped, crowded mess of a stadium I've ever been in. It's iconic. It's really neat to go to a game there. I have nothing but good things to say about that game day experience, except for the fact that you are breathing yourself and 35 other people's air at any given moment in that building. Right. And I never once noticed this because usually I'm half blitzed when I'm at games there anyway, but I'm also, <laughs> I also didn't care about germs until four months ago. So (laughs) it's, I'm, I'm hoping that once this thing subsides and based on the history of these SARS viruses, they last between a year or two. So my hope is that after this thing burns out or we're vaccinated or we crush the curve or however this thing eventually ends, I do hope that I can get away from this germaphobe state because uh, sporting events, concerts, bars are my life. Right. So like, the three best things, and they're all terrifying now. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. So, what Boise's doing, as far as like seats and stuff, it sounds like, is um, it's going to be just the season ticket holders because their stadium's small enough for that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll be like 7,500. Um, okay. How, What's however, a bunch of them are, yeah, uh, 30,000, but it's a tight 30,000. Oh, so that's so that's about a fourth. Or thirty-seven thousand. I'm starting. Thirty-seven thousand. So it's so a little more than a fourth of the size. Okay, so that's. I like that better than fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, um, part I of it is it's so steep. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. I I think there's a bunch of season ticket holders that are gonna be pissed that Florida State isn't coming, and because that was like half of why people bought season tickets, right? Was to be able to sell that ticket. Because you can pay off your investment. Yeah, when that's coming into town, my God, that's that's something, you know. I, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Especially, I mean, they, they've won a natty in the last decade. I mean, I still get chills yep. when I see a big red N on a helmet, and I haven't been <laughs> much since 2000. So. <laughs> exactly. So it sounds like Mountain West going to head for a 10 game. Um, just in, I think they're going to make it like an you have a 10 game season and you can either play inside the mountain West or add it like a nine plus one. I don't know. It, it sounded weird. We're going to see where the they had nine plus one. So yeah. 
that which which makes me feel good, I guess. Uh, I didn't want to play a Big Twelve team twice unless that team would play twice as Kansas. <laughs> right. But I, I it, it it still weirds me out. And I did a piece the other day about this. Nebraska plays Rutgers this year probably, but they're not going to play Iowa State or Kansas State. I mean, you can you can bus from Lincoln to Manhattan in an hour and a half, two hours. It's a little more difficult to get a, a plane from Lincoln to Piscataway or, <laughs> right. or Iowa City to State College. So the whole conference thing is weirding me out. I think they're trying to they're they're using the pandemic for experimentation of maybe future political plans with college yeah. football, which is kind of weird and kind of unfortunate, but more on your end. Oh um, yeah, in the for sure. So I think that I don't know. I mean if we want to start transitioning into this now, the PAC 12 players put together um, their unity demands. Um, not all of them, of course, but uh, there's a bunch of them. And there was a little bit of fallout. It sounded like at uh, it, uh because Lobo made it sound like kid was not going to be able to be with the team for COVID reasons. Fine. For football unity reasons, um, they were going to have to, like, separate. Um, Kid recorded it, um, watched it as a two-party state in the time of everyone having everyone's information because the Internet, it didn't seem to matter. And, uh, yeah, that's starting to kind of – those ideas are starting to work their way across the country. And I think the, you know, the one that gets all the headlines right is the – piece about fair market pay rights and freedoms um which i agree with every single one of them (laughs) but um you know ending racial injustice protecting all sports not just football and making sure that Mm -hmm. the healthy and safety protections were there for players to be able to sit out or um you know prohibit those liability waivers and i know boise state had them sign those um that and also having a third party enforcement for you know the standards and the measurements that and the cleaning that needs to be done uh, to make football as safe as possible. And once we get down to that, I still don't understand how football is supposed to happen in the time of COVID without someone getting sick. We've already seen that programs are having a hard time doing that. Rutgers for example. Um, Man, that, the, the thing, it seems, it seems like there's insubordination in every situation though. Right. So I, 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 I'm trying to figure out just how strict a coach has to be or if they, I mean, if, if they literally need to rent out a hotel for three months in their college town, like on the edge of town and have guards there and they, you know, pretty much lock their players down. I don't know can't do that if but, they aren't employees, I don't think. Exactly. So for the most part, I, 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 I was a proponent of the health and safety precautions strictly because even if they're not, empl- even if they are employees or they're not employees, I think that anyone who's in any sort of a situation that is legally binding in any sort of way, it needs to be legally binding in a safe way, unless that is noted up front. Uh, yeah. these, these scholarships that they sign do not, suggest that they're going to be put into any more harm that they're not 
um, compensated for. I remember when I was at Texas A&M in 2016, a Tennessee player um, was actually injured in some regard pretty severely. And he was also kicked off the team a couple days later. And I'm not sure if the two are related, but they still said that he would receive all the medical care necessary from that injury as it was a college football related injury. So the thing is, is COVID a college football injury? The answer would be yes, because the football is putting them in a more inopportune situation to get it. So I'm a totally a big proponent of not having a liability waiver just because, I mean, they're, they're still trucking out these guys like they're gladiators into a war zone. Um, right. And they're getting oncoming fire by more than just their opponent, but also by an invisible one. So. Exactly. I just don't, I don't know. I don't see how it's long-term feasible to do football. I think there's sports you can do. I think baseball is a good example. Um, I think you can probably get away with, I don't know, the track, (laughs) the track sports. So cross country, that sort of stuff. Um, Basketball is sketchy. Just anything where you're like in proximity, like panting on each other. I don't get how it's supposed to be safe in any way. They they, they say this is a, this is a disease you get, you know, ninety eight percent of the time, or some very high number like that, from breathing in each other's air or potentially having it through your eyes. So, right. We've seen we've seen some colleges have goggles on their helmets, which I think is neat, but I mean, you still got to somehow prevent the breathe, heavy breathing too. But I mean, if we want a good college football game, we're going to need them to be breathing heavily because it means they're working hard, you know? Right. Otherwise it's going to be a 88 to 84 football game with no one playing defense. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind those, but I'm like, I'm whack fan old school. I'm a so fan of the big 12. That's and, fine. I mean, that, that, that was a rad decade or so from about, Oh, seven to 17 or so. <laughs> There's a lot of points on the board. So, uh, um, yeah, so there were other um, components to that Pac-12 statement. Yes. There we was... Talked about, we talked about the COVID Sorry, stuff. Ahead. What were you... <laughs> I was going to say, we talked about the COVID stuff. What were you thinking? There, there's a lot of stuff on there that's been talked about on a lot of various other mediums already. Yeah. About, uh, you know, eliminating excessive expenditures and things like that for conference administrators, um, performance bonuses, academic bonuses. Like if a team is above a three-point, a coach gets a benefit for that. Um, yeah. Facility expenditures, things like that. That, to me, didn't seem feasible. I mean, I I don't think Larry Scott deserves $5 pay, let alone whatever he makes. But, (laughs) I mean, if if, if that's what they negotiate, if that's the price they negotiated at the point of hire, they... Whoa, that dude makes $5.3 million a year. Woof. Yeah, he uh after after he flopped on the Pac-16, which thank God he did. He has <laughs> not exactly done well for that league. The, the I mean the Pac-12 network, like I think the Cyclone TV network, which is on one cable provider in the state, I think that might make more revenue than the Pac-12 network. 
<laughs> we're not uh, we're not talking like Sooner Sports TV or Longhorn Network or anything. We're talking Iowa State here, and that's the Pac-12 Network has been a colossal disaster. And now Larry Scott has to deal with this. I don't see him surviving this. That's kind of a side tangent, but I don't know. I mean, I hope not because honestly, if the Pac-12 would just like get a new CEO and stop pretending that the money never ends. I mean, right. Yeah. That job could be done for $2 million and not in an office building in downtown San Francisco. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so from an unexpected or from a gobs of money perspective though, I, 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 I almost think that they need to get away from the, Nonprofit model, and I'm not sure how they do it that way because I mean, let, let, let's let's be honest here. Um, Two thirds of college athletic departments could go broke right now because they're a nonprofit entity, so they're not able to have a rainy day fund. It's just legally not allowed because of tax code. So naturally, they have to spend their money on capital or on bonuses or on something at the end of every year, just so that their expenditures and their revenue are virtually identical. Yeah, and. And right now, I don't see how – so I have the the Pac-12 player statement here. Number two, it's protect all sports. I don't see how you can protect sports like that if we're in limbo like this. I mean, usually if there's extra money, it gets put into a $500,000 lighting system on a track stadium, I guess. But right now, I can see the NCAA coming the other way and saying, okay, now D1 teams only have to have 12 programs yeah, or – sponsored yeah. teams just because these, these programs are going broke. So if we're trying to protect all sports here, I'm, I'm worried about all these extra stipulations. Cause I don't all of a sudden, especially if this is, you know, a track star or a cross country runner or a, a disc golf putter, whatever those things are. <laughs> I don't think did I say that right. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think, I don't think this will end up well for them. So, um, so, so I have an idea on how this can be done, but it takes the NFL actually paying for their farm league. You sell the TV rights and you figure out how to get out of your TV rights contracts first. You sell your TV rights as the NCAA. So just like they handle the basketball tournament kind of stuff and all that. Um, however, it all goes to the NFL, which pays the NCAA, and then they distribute, um, you know, down to the conferences, however. However, it's got to be a slightly more, um, like, I don't want to say, basically it has to be an actual, like, type of structure to where, yes, the teams that drive a lot of revenue are rewarded thusly, but also that there's not teams like Idaho that, you know, are giving dudes, you know, five bucks a day to eat on traveling, right? <laughs> like, there's got to be some sort of, of in between. Um, are we are we advocating think, starving FCS players here? Is that what we're doing here? No, I'm advocating the NFL <laughs> stepping up and pouring some of their billions of dollars into their farm league to save it and the universities that power the brain of this country. I mean, I'm so frustrated with the NFL because I honestly believe (laughs) that they're just like every other big corporation that has profited from the natural resources of this country and it's time they Mm -hmm. gave back. So that's just me. I mean, there's there's no better natural resource than, you know, humans. 
Right. I agree there. I, I, I haven't heard your. I haven't heard this from an NFL lens. I've heard a lot about having one college football commissioner. That's been talked about a lot, and that's not new. That's been talked about for years. Um, High-profile mm-hmm. coaches like Mac Brown even have suggested we need that. And in the time of COVID, we've learned that this is needed because we have conferences backstabbing each other between you know the the ACC and the SEC. They're in and they're having issues right now. The Big Ten goes rogue and makes a conference only while the other leagues are thinking, "Whoa, what just happened here?" And I think that if there was a college football commissioner or a power five commissioner or something like that, I think that a lot more decisions could at least be polished before they're done. And there's not these rogue actors <laughs> in because at the end of the day, the decision still has to go through a central force. I mean, this is, I mean, essentially, well, essentially right now it's like, you know, instead of having, you know, not quite 50 States, but we have, you know, East conference is a state and, you know, each commissioner is like a governor, but there's no president. And, you know, I, I, there's a lot of people who would love to argue for decentralizing, you know, the federal government. But I think we all know that it would be very haphazard as a result. I mean, back in yep. the 1800s, before we had a lot of federal control, we had uh, um, two different widths for rail cars. So as soon as you went from Mississippi to Alabama, you had to change the width of your rail car. I mean, so naturally, you need in college football, just like you need in all sorts of things that work as a cohesive unit. You need someone at the top or some sort of figure to answer to who eventually makes the final decision because otherwise we have a mess right now. And I, I'm worried because we were just talking about our television rights in college football. Those are all coming up in 23 and 24. So those that negotiation probably starts in another 12 to 18 months. You're going to start hearing whispers of that stuff. And if they're backstabbing now, they're not gonna they're not gonna heal the wounds of that for when that for when that all goes down in twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Right. So, but that's a little bit of a side tangent. I I do think that there needs to be one media contract for all of I, I guess I put in quotations here big college football, whether it be a top sixty four or a top seventy two. Um, I the 72 number because I think your squad would ink and you know slip in there. Right. Um, but there's there's probably 70 there's probably 70 to 80 college football programs who legitimately do it. And they're they're and I'm talking they're putting in a certain amount of money they're putting a certain amount of fans in the stands they're having a certain amount of people watch their games on TV. And once you get beneath that, the game changes and the money changes. The money doesn't exist. Um, we're talking the teams that right. play two to three by games, you know, just to exist. And I, I don't think that as we move forward, that that's going to exist much longer. And I, I guess I've never heard it from your lens of the NFL doing this, but I, I could see that the NFL or whether it's just a newly formed conglomerate of 72 football teams, however they're figured out, whether it's a power five, a power six, uh, whatever, that things are done a little more uniformly. And I think that right. COVID is probably going to be the canary in the corner of that because, well, we learned what dysfunction it does, whether it's in college sports right now or whether it's in the world we're in right now. I mean, if, if, you, if you have one group zigging and one group zagging, well, I'm, I'm not really a good dancer, but it doesn't look good, you know. It doesn't really work. I think that 
I don't know. Football has such a strange place in our society that I think, you know, like you said, there is a definite change in the type of football played once you get down, you know, around that 80, right? Team 80 on the yeah. list of 100. Um, mm. And I'm not necessarily sure it's a bad thing because we're talking about public universities. And mm-hmm. I don't think the opportunity to play a sport and better yourself in the way in which you choose is ever really going to be like a bad option. I want the D3 teams, D2 teams. I know that's not the nomenclature anymore, but that's how I'm remembering it, you know, to be able to play and to be able to fill out full teams and have those guys get that experience as they're going through university, you know, even if it's not at a school, it's a revenue generator. Um, Yeah. I agree with you completely. So, and on the other hand, you know, it's not like the NFL hasn't pulled guys up out of those leagues too. They're not all from power five conferences. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, I think the NFL money could be distributed throughout college football, throughout college sports, honestly, if we get mm-hmm. down to it between that and the, the NCAA tournament money, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think you could eliminate the bowl system, institute a college football playoff. You'd be making money hand over fist mm-hmm. and, you know, we'd forget about the, whatever, the Gator Bowl, the Bahama Bowl, you know, the Potato Bowl. (laughs) I don't think those are the cultural institution that the sport itself is, even at the, you know, smaller school levels. Let me tell you, the Crucial.com Humanitarian Bowl is an American icon. (laughs) I think think that was the sponsor the year we played them in 2004. We played, I think, Miami of Ohio in Shreveport, Louisiana. No, that was... Wait, no, that was – no, the Humanitarian Bowl, that was in Boise, wasn't it? That was. Yep. That's right. That's why I brought that up with you. Okay. Um, I got my <laughs> bowls mixed up. But, um, no, I – because I'm, I'm, I'm never going to deny that I think that I, – I've, I've actually been to a, a D2 uh, NCAA tournament basketball game before, and it was actually a lot of fun. It was in a gym in oh, Golden, Colorado. Awesome. It was yeah. Metro State and uh, Colorado School of Mines. And, you know, the gym was probably 1,500 people in there, and it was packed. And it was like a 50-50 gym. It, it felt similar to, uh, like, a high school playoff game in basketball. Yeah, which for in the sure. State of Iowa was a lot of fun. But I, 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 I'm just worried, though, because that's, it's all fun. I love that. There's some schools towards the bottom. You know, I kind of I I, I drew that arbitrary line. You know, there's the, those top 80 teams, and there's everybody else. And I'm scared that we're going to reach a point where some of these FCS schools resemble D2 and D3 schools in terms of their budgets, their crowds, their alumni support, things like that, than they are, you know, team number 64 or number 72 right. even. We're, we're, we're struggling right. right now with FCS schools. They have the bare minimum of sports to sponsor they're constantly playing, you know, these buy games that we talk about. And this is just to survive. And I'm just thinking to myself, there's got to be a way to make that model work better. And part of me wonders if if the FCS should just play spring football. They'd get definitely more eyeballs. Um, Because the XFL, that thing started, what, mid-February? I was glued. Yeah, we all watched it. It was great. We had a good month of that. But so imagine if that's North Dakota State and South Dakota State playing in mid-April. 
you know, I, still I, in the middle of a snowstorm. <laughs> they play in a dome, but uh, yeah, <laughs> their, their, their fans would drive 400 miles for that game, and and but America would care about that game because there's nothing else on, and right, it, it, it's 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 good quality sports, but in that way, that's how maybe they could actually build up their their profit margins so that they're not just depending upon who the Power 5 team they schedule is to pay them off, you know? Right. Um, I mean, we're honestly, Boise State is in that boat most of the time. Um, you know, it's not as dire yeah. um, because we have that extra TV money coming in, especially mm-hmm. when it was the, um, like, every time we were on ESPN, we got, like, 3 million bucks or something. Um, that was handy. That was handy money. Um, and we only had to give like part of it back to the conference, I believe. Either that or it was like one million and we got to keep it all. I don't remember, but um there was an extra That's bonus. I never us. heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um that was some shrewd negotiating uh the last time the ESPN contract came up. But now we're you know, our games are gonna be on Fox Sports, so that'll be interesting. Um is that like a Fox Sports Network or is that on Big Fox? Big Fox, yeah. Or the, so the Mountain West is? Uh, Boise is. Oh, okay. So yeah. you guys can negotiate <laughs> individually? We can. That's part I, of the fun little contract. <laughs> very interesting. That's actually, uh, I mean, at That's that level. That's how they got us back I mean, from the it, Big East or whatever it was at the time. Okay. The American. You know, I'll be honest with you. The American right now, that would actually be really neat with BYU, Boise. Who else would that have been? UNLV and maybe one more. Have an East and a West division. Okay. Put you guys in the West with those Texas schools and then have an Eastern division. I think that would have worked. Um, I think it would have too. Um, but I'm really glad we don't have to deal with UCF fans every year, so there's that part. Oh, but that that might be the rivalry that we need. <laughs> true like because who who else has been those teams who've risen and kind of gotten the shaft i mean there's boise there's ucf um usf was actually considered in the power six back when they were good in the big east so Mm -hmm. they don't count there hawaii had a good year (laughs) Uh, northern illinois had a good year actually they've had a good decade or so a couple yeah um but yeah, Houston. You know, I, but, I would but I, Memphis. That'd be cool. Houston, Memphis, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you though. Um, Houston, you know, when I draw that arbitrary seventy-two line, even the schools that would probably still make it in there: Houston, Memphis, Boise, UCF. Mm-hmm. You know, they're at least within the arbitrary eighty. I mean, they're still playing high-quality football. They still have. I mean, I've been to a Houston football game, and those are a lot of fun. There's, it's not. There's nothing little about it. I mean, there's right. there there. There was more excitement in that stadium for a Houston football game than any time I've ever been to a game at TCU or Baylor. <laughs> or man, I mean, man, that I'm hurts sure. my heart because TCU is like the most emotional game that I've like experienced at Broncos Stadium or at Albertson Stadium. Um, they, um, that's crazy. You know, I I, I think they had a piece on Tailgate Society about um, making the jump from Group of Five to Power Five, kind of what. What are what are the the metrics that kind of make that work? And TCU had one metric that was good, and that's they're a really good football program right now. Really good mm-hmm. coach, got a lot of wins. But 
at the end of the day, people still got to watch. I mean, college football is still entertainment. That is still what college football is. Without the entertainment factor, there's no college sports. And TCU does not capture that metropolitan area at all. You got six or seven alumni bases in that metro for schools who are already in the Power Five. They always have, and no one has. Now that TCU is playing with the big boys, they're not going to cheer for a team that's in their league. You know, they cheered for them maybe when they were, you know, the little engine that could. You know, cute little story, but not, you know, the team that plays them every year now. I mean, right. That city is full of Sooners and Longhorns and Aggies and Red Raiders and Razorbacks and. You know, so TCU is just not that answer to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, there's like 20,000 fans at their games. But then you look at Louisville, you look at Utah. Um, those schools right. are the those only guys pack out all the time. Those are the only show. That, those those schools are the only show in town in the fall. Meanwhile, in Dallas, Fort Worth, TCU is like the seventh show on the list in the fall. Right. You know. So that's why Utah has been wildly successful in the Pac-12. I mean, they have a great fan following. That is what people in Salt Lake watch on Saturdays. You know, Louisville football, yep. football and basketball. There's nothing else there. So that the, they were those were perfect candidates to go from Group of Five to Power Five. While TCU, not so much. Um, even like I don't think Rutgers should be in the Power Five. I mean, they're they're a state school in New Jersey, but I mean, UConn's not in a Power Five league either. But because you know the Yankees are right up the road. The Giants are right up the road. The <laughs> right. you know, the Knicks, the Nets, the, you know, all the Philly teams. It's just, I worry that this last round of realignment was so short-sighted that we're really going to regret a lot of things. And I'm hoping that the regret factor really comes into play here in this next year, because there's a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made. And, you know, I think, I, I mean, I think Boise brings more to college football than Rutgers does. I think that oh, I'm sure of that the Rutgers have that history and college football I mean, is about that history, right? Hell, I mean, San Diego state brings more to college football than Rutgers. And what have they ever done? But you know, right now they, they're the only show in town in San Diego. I mean, I bet you they'd put mm-hmm. more fans in a stadium right now. Cause they got nothing else to do. You know, the chargers are gone. So they have I, decent turnout, I would say. Um, it really depends it, on who's coming to town though. And what night it is Friday night's a hard sell in San Diego. It seems like. I mean, but if USC's coming to town on a Saturday, that's a game. Or or Arizona, you know, I I don't know. I I I really hope that college football changes a lot in the next decade, and I I hope that you know, as someone who really sweated out the Big Twelve missile crisis ten years ago, and really seen a school that has truly taken that scare and grabbed their situation, the media money that we had by the horns and truly build the great facilities, organically build the fan base. I mean, Pollard's all our athletic directors all across the state trying to get more people into Iowa state football. I, I hope there's more of that in the next decade with a lot of other programs, because at the end of the day, you just got to have people. It's not about cable subscriptions. It's not about TV rights. It's about people interested in your product. And and that's and and it, it kind of to bring that back around to some of this other stuff. That's what worries me about some of the other sports right now that don't have any fans, don't have any support whatsoever. There's still got to be that entertainment factor, in my opinion. And I'm worried that if we put too much focus on that, we might lose it all. Mm-hmm. So, 
Like I'm honestly, I'm in Idaho. We fund education at the absolutely bottom level of anyone in the U.S. Um, we cut 3% off the top of all of the university budgets a few weeks, few months ago on top of whatever they cut from the high schools and elementary schools. Um, and I'm worried about having a university at the end of two years of this. Really? Um, I don't think we're going to be able to get students to pay full out-of-state tuition to go online in their parents' house in California. Yeah. It, it, are there a lot of out-of-state students at Boise? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what the Fiesta Bowl did for Boise was opened up these pretty pictures of this place in the mountains on ESPN with the good football team um, to a lot of high school students. And then Boise State does a really good job of not only recruiting athletics, but recruiting just everyone um, out of California, especially Texas, especially um, Arizona. So there's a lot of out-of-state students. Um, it, it was a commuter school, basically, before that. Mm -hmm. um, there was a very few, you know, there was a, a few dorms, right? But most of mm -hmm. it was people who lived in the Valley and were taking classes. Um, mm -hmm. But after the Houston. Fiesta Bowl. Houston was that way, too. It, yeah. But after the Fiesta Bowl, um, you know, started recruiting it because we were trying to build a research university here, right? You got to mm -hmm. have for your multiple students, not just people taking, you know, getting their AA, in project management or whatever. Um, so they moved all the two-year stuff to a uh, community college. And then, uh, yeah, ever since we've been, you know, on as a four-year school and trying to do the thing, try to be a research college, we've, you know, managed to get, we're, we're definitely not a double A research institution or whatever the top level is, but we've made it to the, the second highest level. So that's yeah. a two-level jump in a de decade, which is pretty decent. Yeah, you, you, um, I, 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 I use the Houston comparison because they, they've reached that level actually, and and yeah, they have they have, they have more money. <laughs> they have a ton yeah. of oil money that's going into that school because they just know that they need it. And um, Texas and Texas A&M are just full, so they knew they needed more high quality universities in the state, so they were lucky. I do wonder though, in the state of Idaho, so that's a that's a state that still has what one eight, one point eight, one point nine mil in yeah. a, in the state. I mean, that, yep. that's still enough people to have one decent university if you really put all your resources into one spot. I mean, Nebraska has one major yep. university, and then University of Nebraska at Omaha has some things that they do well. But um, there's no reason for Idaho not to have one good school. And at this point, with how the population trends of the United States are going, I mean, rural areas are like a vacuum right now. Yeah. And there's nothing there's, – there, there, I mean, people can't get out of there fast enough. But, you know, if you look at it, I mean, I've, I've done my little research with Boise because I know I was coming up with you on, the, on this podcast. I was looking at yeah. kind of those western suburbs, and I, I bet if I look at aerial view from 10 years ago, I bet there's a lot more farmland there, you know. So, but Hell, yeah. I'm, guessing, I'm guessing, though, and this is similar with cities in the Midwest, people love their states. But they don't love where they came from. So yeah. the people come from the rural hinterlands of states and the city in their state. So now, because of that migration inward into a city like Boise or Omaha or Lincoln or Des Moines or wherever, I mean, put your resources right there. And so there's no reason for Boise not to, inv or for the state of Idaho, honestly, not to invest all, 
most, if not all, of their educational resources there. I mean, build build, <laughs> build, build something that's build something that's worth they it. Could. I mean, you know, I I, I, I I'm not I'm not suggesting close down Moscow. I mean, <laughs> but so the thing is, Mo- Moscow is the land grant university. Uh-huh. Um, there is a probably more than fifteen minutes um, that I can do on uh, how. Initially, that was exactly how it was set up. Boise State was a junior college, and oh. Idaho was getting all of the reg- education, basically all of the educational resources towards secondary ed, um, yes. split a little bit with Idaho State because they had like pharmacy, um, mm-hmm. whereas Idaho had the law school and the ag school. We do mm-hmm. not have a medical school in Idaho. Um, Washington holds eight spots open in their medical school for Idaho students. Um, so eight doctors a year, woo. <laughs> is, there a big, is there a big med center in Boise? Yes, there's two. Like a, is it like a research? Is it like a research level hospital or? Um, those... so that it's not University of Utah level. It's okay. one, like one level below that, right? They're Catholic hospitals. Yeah, not to get too far in the weeds here, because but hospitals do drive colleges a lot. Um, yeah. I know that I know Texas A&M has had a lot of success acquiring and building a medical apparatus, even though the University of Texas is the school that primarily has um, the hospital. And Boise State but, is doing similar things with nursing. Very cool. And dentistry so, and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I, 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 th- I think if, you know, like I said, with Iowa State 10 years ago as a school, I think that as well, either need to really care about this or we're going to lose it. Really, mm-hmm. we heard about it. I mean, truly been a school that embraced its people and, you know, extend its arms outward for more people, you know, and, and even though they may not bring in the dollars now, they'll bring the dollars in 20 years after they graduate, you know, especially if they're a 10 year old, especially if they're a 10 year old kid now and they're looking at potentially going to college in eight years. Um, And that kind of does play into college sports a lot because at the end of the day, these are institutions that are essentially, using a college as their front door and you know, how much, how much of an asset, I guess, is it for your state, for your city, for whatever. And um, are you going to build from that? I mean, yeah. The thing is you have to value education and not consider your university or not have a good chunk of your population consider universities, you know, liberal indoctrination tanks as happens in Idaho, especially with our legislature. Um, so, I don't know. We're a long way from throwing all of our resources to one place. We're a long way from throwing enough resources to any place at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's frustrating. And that's, that, that's probably a spot where um, a city probably has to come into play, too. Um, mayors and right. governors often don't get along. Uh, we, have, we, we, we have a Republican mayor in Oman, a Republican governor in, in Nebraska, and they don't get along at all. So, I mean, that, and that's within the same party. So, because right. city interests and state interests are two very different things. And, I mean, I, and we're really getting out of the college football realm here. But, yeah, it still kind of plays in. But, yeah, it's just eventually, I mean, are these, you know, as our society gets more in virtual, more less personal, we really need those places and those things that we still identify with. And that's still why I think college football is so popular is because these are these places that have such right. identification, such progress, such great moments, such even heartbreaking moments that we grew from. And 
I, I, I don't hope. I, I hope we don't lose it. And the idea of losing it, whether it be you know politics or a pandemic or whatever, I mean that's that's a scary thought for sure. Yep. I agree. Um, to kind of stick with the Idaho theme a little bit, um, not to make this a two Idaho Iowa centric podcast, um, but everyone else seems to be preparing for things to go on as usual. I mean, even the NCAA tonight um, kind of punted, I would say, um, didn't really come to a conclusion about what their recommendation was and canceled the meeting after three and a half hours. So, or uh, I don't want to say canceled, ended the meeting after about three and a half hours. So um, earlier today, actually, um, actually it might've been yesterday. Okay. Um, There were some athletes from the university of Idaho that came out that said that they um, were, didn't want to play this season um, due to coronavirus concerns. They didn't think the coaching staff was handling it well enough. And uh, of what I know of the Idaho coaching staff, they probably aren't handling it well enough um, between I don't know. There's a very attitude when it comes to things up there. Um, so I can see how, um, you know, that feeling could come t- into play. They are getting ready to play their big sky schedule. They're getting ready for training camp next week. I think um, Paul Petrino, their coach um, said they gathered Tuesday to kind of discuss everything what, that was going on because the university is actually set to open um, as Boise State as well. Until something changes, basically, uh, it's. I can't imagine going into fall camp <laughs> in a place where, um, you know, maybe you don't feel like it's safe, and feel like you have to contact the press in order to get any attention. That's terrifying. Um, that's a big ask for college athletes, and they're doing an admirable job. So, um, as weird as this is for me to say. I just want to um, shout out Go Vandals because if they are not doing right by you guys, just don't play. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's that, that, there's a there's a wider no. theme here though, and it's not even just COVID. I mean there's there are a lot of injustices in our society right now that are being exposed um, heavily right now. Whether and and even in college football, um, TCU yesterday. I mean, Gary Patterson using using the N-word. I mean, come on, dude. Um, then there was Oklahoma State. There was Iowa. There was uh, there was one more there. Um, but there, there's all these programs where players are stepping up. They're speaking out, and they're saying no. They understand, and this kind of goes back to the Pac-12 thing, too. They understand that, you know, they know they're not dumb. They they know what the budget is for these athletic departments, and at some of these schools, it's like 150 million or more. That's a ton of yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you know what happens when you don't have football players? You don't have that athletic budget. You don't have 75 percent of that athletic budget. So I yep. think that I think that the fact that they know this and it's still capitalist society, and you know perhaps this is maybe the good that you get out of that. It's like okay, guys, show me the money. Because I'll show you where the money's going to go. It's going to go with me out the door. If you don't right. at least somewhat provide us with the dignity and res- for our livelihoods that we deserve, um, I 
there, there's so much going on right now. And there's so many tone deaf coaches, you know, Dabo Swinney, you know, like wearing the football matter shirt. It's just like, Jesus, yeah. dude, you, you have no, you, you live in a mansion in small town, South Carolina. You have no idea what inner city, Miami, inner city, Atlanta, inner city, Charlotte, you know, cities that he probably recruits from pretty heavily. He has no idea what that stuff is. And the fact that he has the gall to act like he understands what it's like to grow up there, what it's like to experience the insane biases that these kids go through and still are able to showcase their talent at that level. I, I, I do hope okay. that whether it be it, whether it be these kids at Idaho or these kids at Clemson or these kids at Iowa, or what I, hope, or, I hope they understand their worth and that yeah. they speak out and that we can create a better college football as a result of all of this. Yeah. The adults just have to do something and quit punting. You know, adult, <laughs> adults are punting because the checks keep cashing. And yeah, I think that luckily, I mean, if you've been watching the NBA, I mean, they, they know loud and clear who their audience is. There's, yep. there's the reason that there are all sorts of levels of social justice on that platform right now is because they know they're going to lose their audience if they don't. And college football needs to kind of understand that. I mean, there's a lot more old guard fans in college football. Sure. You know, whether whether you're at the lowest level or the highest level, but eventually, you know, that old guard's not going to be around anymore. And, and who are you building for? What fans are you building for? What players are you building for? What tradition do you want to have on, you know, August 50, 30 years from now? I, um, I commend those Idaho players. I commend Iowa players. I commend these TCU players, Oklahoma State, Clemson. So it's just it, it, it's something that I, I, I'm glad to see. I'm just glad to see that these players understand that they're just as important as any athletic director, any coach, or any fan. And you know they're it. You know they're the reason that we're able to have these beautiful, beautiful fall Saturdays that we're going to hopefully have here soon, whether it be this year, or next year, where we're all together. So. Oh, I, I thought I lost you there for a second. I was going on a diatribe. <laughs> yeah, you are cutting out, but yeah. I was. Okay, I can All hear right. you now. But yeah, no. So, um, do you have any other uh, do you have any other topics with uh, four minutes and thirty seconds left? <laughs> um, I've got is uh, the reminder that she Anyway, um, 
But yeah, I do think that this is going to be a really interesting year or two in college athletics. I think that a lot of things with college athletics and college football is going to change. And I, some will be for the better and some will definitely be for the worse. We'll see. So. Thanks for having me on for sure. And uh, let's do this again for sure, especially as uh, we learn more. So thank you. Sure. Good night. Good night.